Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Foolishness Podcast with me, Brian Sumner. I'm so excited to jump right back in, and I hope that the second episode of this podcast blessed you. My wife and I jumped in there talking about anxiety, depression, stress. Yes, she was my first guest, I guess you say in a sense, but she's one with me. So today, I have the blessing and privilege of bringing in my first real official guest. Guys, I want to invite you to converse with myself and who, Mr. Ben Corson. Ben, what is going on? How you doing? Brian, I feel like if I had your accent, people would actually listen to what I said. <laughs> my, yeah, but you know I don't have an accent, right? <laughs> You know, I know it's all relative, but if I was from <laughs> the UK and I was speaking in Oregon, I would carry like the the Greek word is exousia, just that authority. They're like, this man speaks with authority. I don't know. I think a lot of people are out there listening to you. I mean, I see the people that are listening to you. I th- see the things you're saying. So my plea to God is I sound so strange. Don't send me back to England where they'll make fun of me. Let me remain here where Americans apparently seem to be listening to what I'm saying. So... How's that? I love you know? it, dude. <laughs> so I love it, and 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 listen. Yeah. Just before we like really get into whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, I want I want all your listeners to okay. hear on record that you are committing <laughs> to be in one of my skate videos for our TV show. Like <laughs> that, you will be on our TV show and you will skate. So you're saying a yes and amen. You want that from me, right? Yeah. I'm saying right. I'm saying I want a verbal commitment for yeah. all of your listeners to hold you accountable. Okay. Because we have all of us trying to skate, dude. We're, we're like, I'd like to see to that. Skate. I'd like to see and that. And we just have great videographers. So our videographers make it look super dope, but we're horrible. But they really have nothing to film is what you're saying. I know. Yeah, yeah. They, so that's why we have to light flares and we have to like put in all these special CG effects to get it going just to well, if you, make if you up want, for our lack of talent if you want dad bod brian to be in the videos and come up there in portland <laughs> and in oregon i'm down so yes we'll do it oh, we'll put it on okay TV, there's the verbal commitment it's right there's there. the verbal commitment perfect <laughs> okay. i'm happy then, so dude. that's really the only reason you came on the show is what i'm guessing because you've asked that, me twice now okay <laughs> i know that that's that's like the ulterior motive uh, the undercurrent behind the whole thing i don't mind ulterior <laughs> motives if it, if it glorifies god and if it you know it brings skating to light so but for you i mean for so many guests i just want to start with intro and you are the son of legendary and i say this legendary pastor john corson if you're saying who is ben corson i mean your dad has been a pastor and bible teacher for what decades right 40 years wow yeah actually no 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 he's been yeah like 40 years that's pretty crazy to have a dad that's that much of a scholar and i say for me the friends that i have who are 10 or 20 years older they get up, read their Bible, do their prayer time, and so many of them go to your dad's books, go to your dad's devotion. So this is the son of Pastor John. You are at the Applegate Christian Fellowship Church in Oregon still, correct? Yes, sir. So, I, you know, I, I live in Medford, which yep. is just right 20 minutes away from the church where I speak every Monday and when okay. I'm in town, I speak on Sunday night, Sunday wow. mornings, I mean. Um, and... Basically, though, I live on airplanes. So yeah, yeah. last week, I noticed I gave like, yeah, I, I gave 10 <laughs> sermons last week. So I give I actually give about 10 sermons a week and I just live on airplanes. And um, I think of John Wesley who's one of my heroes as well. Yeah. He 
preached 42,000 sermons in his life, That's three crazy. sermons a day, 450 wow. miles, uh, and 60, he rode a 60 to 70 miles a day. 4,500 miles every year riding a horse. And when he was 83 years old, he said, I'm never tired either with riding, preaching, wow. or traveling. I am a wonder to myself. That's wow. what he said. Wow. So I just figure, and he's he's your boy, dude. He's, he is. He's UK. Yeah. So I just him figure we brother. might as well. Yeah, Charles, the hymn yep. writer, they yep. founded the Methodist Thousands movement. So of I just figure we might as well stand on the shoulders of giants that we might see further than others we, and follow we need their it. footsteps. The revival came across to America, and I think maybe it needs to get sent back now because even people like Charles Spurgeon, they don't even know who he is, or, you know, the great, and I would say Martin Lloyd-Jones, few people even in America know who these guys are, and they're they're brilliant, but for you, that's where you pastor. You're the, you're the founder of Hope Generation, and I've seen even on television, you're the host of a global TV and national radio program and you just finished, is it your first book, Optimisfits, or how many books have you put out? <laughs> it, it, okay, it is confusing. Optimisfits is my first book that's a major published release okay. that's going to be everywhere. Yeah. But I've written a bunch of other books awesome. that, were, that were just smaller projects. But as far as this being the first official publishing company, yeah. Barnes & Noble, that whole thing, wow. that's, that's number one for me. And it has nothing to do with Glenn Danzig, the singer? Wait, what is this, dude? The I've band, never heard the this. The band, the Misfits. No, it's not. No, <laughs> I've never heard of that. No, no, no. I, I, I doubt Glenn Danzig will ever read it, but I hope he does. But when you say anything to do with Misfits, that's what comes to mind for me. Is that is that punk rock? Oh yeah, it's punk rock. It's skate. I mean, it's um, very oh, melodic. Okay. So, <laughs> and if you're I talking about me being in skate skating stuff with you, you go YouTube any of my old videos, and I'm probably skating to. The Misfits. I mean, it was BC, so there's not too much, you know, it's definitely not yeah. Christian. So yeah, it's so yeah, yeah. funny that you say that because when I watch your videos, it so sums up the Optimist Fit wow. message. Because, because an yeah. Optimist Fit is a nonconformist adventurer yeah. who lives with childlike wonder, yeah. reckless abandon, and unapologetic optimism. Wow. And when I watch your skate videos, you have that optimistic misfit vibe about you yeah, where yeah. you just. Like, like it's been said, you don't get too, you don't get old. You don't, you don't yeah, skate yeah, because yeah. you get old. You get, you get old, old you because you skate. stop skating. Yeah. It's and true. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I want to stay like a child and you have that mentality about you, Brian. And, yeah. Uh, I love that you have the misfit vibe. Well, that's for you. I mean, you know, the zeal, I'm, you're running through forests and you're giving these talks and you're putting all these videos out. And I guess even something for me that struck a chord is as a skater, you don't want to promote yourself like crazy as you come to faith, you're like, well, calm down. I don't want to focus on me. But then I see for guys like you and me who are kind of like evangelistic in a sense, kind of itinerant preachers, you are blatantly out there promoting what God is doing in you. And the words of the Apostle Paul come to mind, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So you just launched this book and you're everywhere preaching. Is the focus on the book up the misfits? I mean, is that what this whole hope generation thing is or what is the goal? Well, yeah. The, the goal of Hope Generation is to make much of who God is according to Romans fifteen thirteen. It says yeah. he's the God of hope. Yeah. He's the God of hope. And that's what I want to drive home to everyone because how you perceive God dictates how you receive from God. Even yeah. neurologically, like if you believe God is loving when you pray, it builds yeah. up your prefrontal Completely. cortex, your anterior cingulate cortex, your compassion and creative and concentration centers. If you pray to God and you think he's angry, yeah. your amygdala lights up, you get – you, you, the rat brain goes crazy and you become very fearful and stressed and high blood yeah. pressure. So like I, I tell people the most important thing about you is what you think about God because you yeah. image 
whatever deity you worship. And yeah. so for us, the, the hope generation message is about perceiving him as the God of hope that we may abound in hope by the power yeah. of the Holy Spirit, which is Romans fifteen thirteen, And the optimistic message just yeah. supplements that theology. Wow. So yeah, Jesus is revealing God as a father more specifically in the New Testament where we're no longer pagans or Gentiles. They don't even know the gods they claim they worship. But for you and me, we've been hidden in Christ. Now we have complete hope. And some of us do wrestle with the idea of going to God as a father, believing he's listening, believing he's not judging, believing it's not, you know, not Old Testament. Now it's new and it's this grace. So as you're going and speaking, what are the responses you're seeing? Because America apparently no longer understands in many ways the gospel message of a loving God, right? Yeah, for me, like I have a very sharp shooter kind of message where I'm not like uh, I I don't have a lot of breadth as far as topics I talk about or things that I talk about. I go just more depth into the subject of hope. So I like to tell people hope is not a message you move on from. It's a message you move deeper into. And as I talk about like the ancient rabbis believed that this, the Torah and the scriptures, yeah. the law and the prophets were like a diamond and you could see it in so many different mm-hmm. lights, so many different facets. As you turned the same text over and over again, yeah. you could see it in many different lights. And so for me, I take the message of hope and I look at it in so many different lights because yep. Romans fifteen four says these scriptures that were written aforetime were written for our learning that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. And yeah. so, if the, so the end if goal the Paul, is hope, yeah. The end goal is hope. So if the Pauline theological or hermeneutic behind why the Bible is written teleologically is to give people hope, then that's what I'm after. So so what the, one of the things that I've been seeing is people having fun again mm-hmm. in their walk with God. That's been the biggest response I've seen yeah. is that people who were suicidal are now finding that fun Amen. is fundamental and that in his presence, there's fullness of joy at his right hand. There are pleasures forevermore yeah. and really bringing back the adventurous side to our walk with God, that yeah. there's an empty tomb. Like this is an exciting, not dead thing. It's alive. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting excited. You talking about it. It's yeah, awesome. dude. Yeah. So, so when people, when that, that's the main thing I've been seeing is people, people literally shunning depression, getting yeah. healed from despair and going on the friend venture with God and squad. Wow. Yeah. Cause he is risen. And I mean, if he's our hope, why should we fret? Tomorrow's got its exactly. own problems, but, and that, and that includes, which is radical, that includes the living out of the gospel. That includes when people are persecuted or banned at a stake or crucified. I mean, that's going to be on the earth again, though. I just read something the other day where they said there's over 215 million Christians that are actually living in persecuted nations. So that's one in 12 Christians in the world are being hated, even killed every year. So what does that mean when you go and travel and say that? It means that our hope is something bigger than this life. And that's something well, I didn't interesting. hear. Yeah, I actually was talking about this recently on the road, but um, Jesus said when you're persecuted, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. That's mm-hmm. Matthew five ten through 12. He said when you're persecuted, rejoice and yeah. be exceedingly glad. Like that's insane. <laughs> and the, the, actually the phrase in Greek is even more insane. It's yeah. literally agaliastai in Greek, yeah. agaliastai. And what it means is to leap exceedingly. So it's used of a mountain climber who conquers yeah. a cliff and then leaps for joy upon conquering the mountain path. And so the early Christians who yeah. were burned at the stake could read Greek literally. Yeah. And what they would do is they would 
uh, before they would get go into the flame, they would leap. They would actually wow. jump up because that's what Jesus literally said. Yeah. Like leap for joy when you're persecuted. Wow. And so it's like they would say, why are you jumping for joy? And and they would say things like, because we are going to dine um, a sumptuous fair with our Savior this night. And like modern day language, we're going to go through the fire and we're not going to hear medium rare. We're going to hear well done, good and faithful <laughs> servant. So we might as well rejoice, you know? <laughs> so we're, we're making jokes about persecution only why? Yeah. Because even Acts 1 8 says, You will be witnesses unto me, my martyrs. And you're talking about John Wesley. And I'm sure being a Calvary Chapel pastor's kid, you're familiar with Leonard Ravenhill. And Leonard Ravenhill yeah, used to regularly talk about how Stephen was just as spirit filled when he was being killed with stones as he was when he was warm, walking in the gift of the spirit. And that's something that, you know, when it comes upon the earth again, I mean, you know, in Revelation, there's going to be martyrs who are seated at the throne of God because their heads were taken off as those who were persecuted. And you know what's radical, Ben, to say is maybe those people will end up reading this book. Maybe the world we're living in, if it's these generations, something that God has birthed in your heart, optimists, you've got to be realistic. I mean, we're living in modern day where the Apostle Paul wishes he could live today. These ancient martyrs wishes they could live and put out resources and do things like this. So, wow. So you're seeing the fruit of this and hope generation is really you and the ministry God has given you. And that's something that I found kind of interesting because like I'm saying, I'm not a staff pastor per se. I'm someone like you that's kind of like an evangelist. And so I've found myself, you're kind of sometimes very para ministry. You're able to raise support and go and put things out there so you can just focus non-stop on doing this this is the only thing you do right is non-stop ministry dude non-stop so Amen. i focus a hundred percent on reading yep. writing speaking filming that, yep. that's the fourfold Amen. focus sounds amazing right now yeah so and honestly john wesley said because we're talking about him yeah because you uk Talk vibes, about but he <laughs> yeah. said he said the world is my pulpit and i yeah. never felt like one yeah. location could be my pulpit. I just, I got claustrophobic like Paul. Mm-hmm. I have itchy feet. Yeah. And so I just felt the need to, uh, you know, I travel not to escape life, but I travel so that life doesn't escape me. Yeah. Like, like G it's interesting because Jesus never traveled beyond his home country yeah. except to Tyre and Sidon. And that was only very briefly. Yeah. It was Paul who went to Thessalonica and yeah. Areopagus and Athens and Corinth. Yep. And so he was the one traveling the world, Turkey, et cetera. The apostle and of the me, Gentiles. Yeah. I, yeah. I kind of feel that, that sort of a vibe, uh, the footsteps that I want to follow is just, you know, taking the message, yeah. Jerusalem, Judea, Sumeria, the uttermost ends of the earth. Oh, and I can tell you just being like me. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty hyper. I'm all over the place. Most English people have run on sentences. And I ran into a pastor the other day from the harbor uh, Pastor Joe, who I'm sure knows your father not well, and he's like, oh, you're doing a show with Ben? And his wife's laughing, and she's like, if you got you two guys together on a podcast, you could probably yeah. go for eight hours talking about <laughs> yeah. missions. Yeah, and, and maybe that'll yes. be my comeback. I come to escape video with you, and we do a 10-hour yes. podcast. So at least there it goes go. everywhere. So, but, there, but there, it, now, it's, now it's mutual. Now it's benefits. mutual. But the funny thing is, <laughs> You know, we read a book that has no crazy stuff. I mean, there's crazy stories in there. Believe me, you know, some bears coming and killing some youths because they called Elijah Bald. He's pretty crazy. But I'm saying, yeah, that's crazy. I'm a guy that has a crazy background, but I'm just so fascinated by the word and by ministry that I feel, just as you said, and even as Paul said, I'm compelled. 
I believe this generation, even sitting here next to Isaac, these guys are just hungry because they want to be going. And back to the point, the apostles set people apart to do certain works so they could give their focus on prayer and ministry. And what would you say, because some of the people that ask questions, you know, how do you go from someone that feels like you want to be called in the ministry to stepping out and taking hold of that ministry? Like, what was it for you? Yeah. Obviously your dad, but what made you just know this is what I need to go do for our young listeners, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Charles Spurgeon said that if you can do anything else and be happy mm. other than being a preacher, do that. Yeah. His point was that like, if you're called to be a preacher, the word of God should be burning in your bones yeah. so fiercely that you cannot <laughs> hold it back as Jeremiah said. So if yeah. you're like, you know what, I, I could be a pastor, but I could also do something else. He then said, go do, do it. Else. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to be like, there's nothing else I can do other than speak yeah. and for me. Like I have to speak this message. And so yeah, yeah. It, this is, this is kind of practically what it looked like. I just started a home Bible study at yeah. my house. I was 16 years old. Yep. I just, me and my buddies, we, we taught this home Bible study. Yeah. And then from there, you know, people were hearing about it and my dad was promoting it. Wow. And then I started just traveling around speaking at 16, 17 and, and entered the ministry at 18 as a senior, but yeah. also as senior in high school, but also like my uncle's a pastor. So I remember yeah. he let me preach when I was in third grade. Once, I've got your notes right sick. here. You shared a sermon in third grade and third you began weekly Bible studies and it was filled with high schoolers. And, and this was the point Victoria Camisi said, I'd love to hear the biggest piece of his advice from you, Brian and Ben, that you would share with people stepping into this full-time ministry. So you're saying your yes. uncle, your dad, it was burning yeah, in your bones. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that. So now I want to get to like the practical part of that because yeah. a lot of that is like, Hey, besides, besides stepping out and actually starting it, yeah. like, it's in the unknown that God makes himself known as you trust the unknown future to your known God. But yeah. like for me, it was that it was practically stepping out and starting a Bible study. But I do want to say this because yeah. I'm very passionate about this. C.H. Spurgeon said, I'm just using the UK guys because you're, you're British. You so know, I'm an American uh, like, citizen, but I'm not going back there, I, but I'm all for it. <laughs> Brian Broderson I'm will so, be stoked right now. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, I'm going to, I'm going to creation UK this, this Yeah, I think summer, I'm going so. maybe so. Oh, sick. Bring your skateboard, I don't know if dude. we'll get any sleep though if we hang out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring your skateboard because my friend's going to be filming. So get okay. ready. So, so get, get your, get your tray flips in order. But anyways, um, yeah, dude. So C.H. Spurgeon said, you focus on your ability and yeah. God will take care of your opportunity. Yep. So many young people are saying, when am I going to get my opportunity? And they're letting their ability fall by the wayside. Wow. You hone your craft, focus on your ability and let God take care of the opportunity because if you're too big for the small things, you'll be too small for the big things. So we do what others can't, won't, pardon me. Yeah. We do what others won't do today. Yeah. So we can have what others can't have tomorrow. Like we have to be yeah. willing to, to work really hard regardless of whether we have opportunities. So practically, yeah. what does that look like? Billy Graham, when he was 18 years old, he didn't have crusade side stadiums filled yeah. with people to speak to. So what did he do? He preached to alligators. This is a true story. Yeah. He, and I, I talk about this in Optimists, but he literally preached to alligators because <laughs> if all creation is longing for redemption, yeah. that includes animals. So, yeah. you know, the, the beasts of the field. Yeah. And so, so where, where, where I'm passionate about encouraging young people is don't wait yeah. for opportunity to roll up instead, roll up your sleeves because yeah. faith can move mountains, but don't be surprised if God hands you a shovel and uh, you got to pray for the super, but do the natural because yeah. without God, 
you can't, but without you, he won't. So just hone your craft, even if it means speaking to stuffed animals. Yeah, and I mean, you're quoting it right there, but it says in Romans eleven twenty nine that the gift and calling of God is irrevocable. So I'm going yeah. to school with Ben Corson, and you're five years of age. I'm going, okay, this kid kind of sounds like a preacher. So it's been said so much in Proverbs that your gift will make room for you. And I know yes. it's implied bringing it before great men. But for me, all I want to do is evangelize. All I want to do is reach people. And I feel like God opens those opportunities. And, and for the lady that was asking, I guess I would just say to her, in my opinion, that the way you figure out what your gift is, is really by beginning to serve. And that's exactly what you're saying is... As a third grader, as a teenager, begin to be Ben Corson, who's made in the image of God, who's set apart and is ordained and anointed by God alone, and your gift is going to grow and grow and grow. And as you even said there, I believe, you know, when you're faithful with the little, why are you faithful with the much? Because he's going to entrust more to you. Even in yeah. the, you know, and you got to I wasn't reading the Bible till I was 24 and came to faith. But when you see in Acts 13, there's Saul and Barnabas, and the Holy Spirit tells them to lay them aside for the work which I have called them. I believe there was a point in your life, Ben, where you said, I absolutely know this is what I'm called to do. And for me, I'm getting more comfortable saying, I know I'm an evangelist. You know, my ministry's missions, marriage is ministry. It just sounds like Brian. So I say to anyone asking, how do we grow into our ministry, begin to serve? And feel what's in your heart with the word is speaking to you that you believe God has ordained for you and begin to step out and obviously remain humble. But God will open those doors. And that doesn't mean you've got to be on a, a big stage. It doesn't mean you've got to have a television show or be on every podcast. But what it means is you are a gift to us, the body of Christ, and we need you and this generation needs you. And I'm saying that even just to hear you say, Ben, that when my son can listen to this, you know, my son's 18, he's a pastor's kid, he's been all over the world with me, he might be at Creation Fest even this year hanging out with us, but so for him, he's stepping into doing some Bible studies, he's volunteering at church, he's, you know, interning at a youth group, and when he asked me, what should I do, I'm just said, son, read your Bible and just give it all to the Lord, so that's what you did, and that's where you are today, and, and how old are you now, Ben, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 31, but I act like I'm 12. Well, you know, I mean, I believe that we have, I believe when we get to heaven, our souls don't age. So I would say we're probably all around the age of 18, maybe 12, but you know, 30. But hey, if you're going into these schools and churches and places and you're this zealous and fired up, how young were the fishermen? How young were the apostles? How young were the early believers? So, you know. Well, I, th <laughs> I think it's interesting that, that there is an argument yeah. that, that like John, the apostle, for example, yeah. was a teenager. Yep. And, and, and the book of Isaiah says the young shall lead them. Yeah. The young shall lead them. Yep. I, Josiah became king at eight years old. Yeah. yeah. And at 16 <laughs> years old, 16, he began seeking the Lord of his own accord. And then yeah. in his 20s, he burned the, the, the pagan bones of the priests on their own pagan altars <laughs> before burning, the, before burning the altars themselves. He was yeah. nuts. Yeah, and that's and what so, a young man would do. And they would flip the world upside down for the, for the, the king of kings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think of William Pitt the Younger who became yeah. a dude. I'm, I'm just going to hit. Okay, wait. I'm going to hit yeah. you with two more British. Do you have an English t-shirt on right now? Like, Do you have a Liverpool I, soccer club shirt on? I actually used to walk around with a British flag on my shirt. That's true. <laughs> but, but right now I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> but here's two more British examples to yeah. buttress your point. Yeah. Number one is uh, – um, oh, man, did I lose it? What, what were we William, did you say William? Or what was oh, it? William Pitt the Younger. He was 24 <laughs> One years old. Yeah, yeah. William Pitt the Younger was the youngest British prime minister of wow. history, became prime minister at 24 years old. Yeah. And what his life shows is 
um, you're too young to realize that certain things are impossible, so you do them anyway. Yeah. So that's huge. And then that's the number, number the second thing is if you can if you can work hard young, like the the Book of Lamentations says, it is good for a man mm. to bear the yoke in his youth. So mm. a lot of people say, I just want to you know yeah. play hard now, work hard later. But actually, if you work hard at a at a young age, yeah. what happens is it, your gift will make room for you. Look at yep. the look at the Beatles. Here's my second quick UK. Seven anecdote. years as a band, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. Oh, you, oh, you know this story. I'm not. I don't know where you're gonna go, but you know my well, well, mom's here, here, seen the Beatles. He, I'm Liverpool, so yeah, go on. Oh yeah. no, she saw them. <laughs> wow. I didn't, but my mom did. Yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> She's from Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I was born and raised in Liverpool. I mean, I'm. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so, so here's. I guess I should only say holy cow when they were in their drug experimental phase. <laughs> and only in, only in Exodus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Only in Exodus. So basically. With these, with the Beatles, that what what a lot of people don't know, the yeah. British invasion when they yeah. went on the Ed Sullivan Show yep. and they came to America and they blew everyone away. The mop topped British boys from Liverpool at the X It Factor. Yeah. People just thought, wow, they're super talented and and their cohesion and chemistry is next level. But yeah. what a lot of people don't know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about this in his book Outliers that. They were doing the 10,000 hour rule. What they did is they played at a club in Hamburg, Germany, yep. seven days a week for eight hours a night, all night club shows. And they were terrible when they went to Hamburg. They were awesome when they left yeah. because they had played more live shows before they ever came to America than most bands do in their entire career. Yeah. And what, I'm, what, what my point is with that is like the Bible says in, in the book of Proverbs in the New Living, yeah. work hard and become a leader. Yeah. Be lazy and become a slave. Another verse says, Hard work means prosperity. Yeah. Only fools idle away their time. And the average person will spend 14 years on their smartphone. And again, I use wow. my smartphone for, for writing and, and studying all yeah, the time. Yeah, you need it. But, redeem it. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but ultimately, I just want to encourage young people like yeah. – like be zeal for yeah, your house. Like my son, like anyone. Yeah. Use, yes. Use your passion, your enthusiasm. Now mm -hmm. harness it into a concentrated focused energy for the kingdom work God has called you to do. Because yeah. if you can start young, if you can work hard now behind the scenes, yeah. what you do, what you do behind the scenes will determine what happens in the spotlight. Yeah. And that's what Jesus taught. Like what's said in darkness will be revealed in the in light. Secret in place the, with the Lord. The, the, yeah. yeah. In the secret place, the, the the prayer closet, the hard work you're putting yeah. behind closed doors, it will pay off huge dividends yeah. um, if, if, if you'll put in the work at a young age. Yeah, and that's just even your point. You think about the disciples. I mean, Jesus was a rabbi, a fisher of men. That was a term for very famous rabbis in that day. For him to show up, you know, on the shows of Galilee. It, is that true? Fishermen. I didn't know that. Yeah, it, from what I've read. Say, so say that again. Fishers so of Men was actually a, a it was a term. Well, it was a term. So you know, the same way if you're like, oh Brian, I'm going off to Princeton or Harvard, I'd be like, wow, Ben's going to some prestigious school. So if you were a fisherman, what you were saying was, I wasn't qualified to be chosen by a rabbi. Yes, so, I do know that. So so then a rabbi would show up and say, hey, follow me. I'll make. So here's what happens. Ben starts his Bible study, you know, at third grade from what I'm seeing. You're now good enough. You're 12, 13. And the rabbi says, hey, follow me. And so you, you would memorize the first five books of the Bible. Yes. Then you would yep. go and memorize the whole of the Old Testament to the extent. Yep. Then if you were good enough, the rabbi would say, follow me. And they would actually say that you would be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Meaning, yes, I was just teaching on that. And, and so, so you know the point. But think about it. For him that day to call those young fishermen... 
they would yes. have gone back. And I always wondered, you know, why did they leave their father? Why was that allowed? Well, because their dad would have gone back to their village and said, Jesus, the, the rabbi. is good enough to become a rabbi. And, and it would have been a child. And not, not a child, but I'm guessing they would have been younger than my son. And the fact, you know, he's 18. And also the fact that Mary was a teen. So whether it's that, you know, Second Corinthians 4, 4, Satan's on something with this world where this age of adolescence kind of stagnates what we're doing. I just think it's great, even though I'm only 39, I feel like I'm 20, that you've got this zeal and this hunger, which means in 10 years, if you slow down, I'll kick your backside and say, Ben, listen your to this boy. podcast. You know, because I want men to say to me, Brian, remember your first love, get back to the first things that you did. Yeah. And saying that, I know, I don't know how much time we have left, you've probably got a couple minutes, but... We had a question that said for you, Ben, what kept you on the path of pursuing God personally as so many kids that are raised in the church walk away as adults? What was it? What was it for you that you said, this is it? Did you ever struggle? Did you walk away? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I never I never walked away in the technical sense. I yeah. did battle with suicidal depression for mm-hmm. 10 years. That's why I'm so passionate about hope. Wow. But for me, what cemented it in was actually the book of Second Chronicles when I was 16. <laughs> it was... It was all these kings like Josiah, Hezekiah, Uzziah, Jehoshaphat, Asa, (laughs) these kings who were really walking with the Lord. It says they walked with the Lord and prospered. Yeah. Like when they did write in the sight of the Lord, they prospered. But all the kings who didn't, like Manasseh and these, the Rehoboam, the, the kings who didn't walk with God, their lives were horrible. Yeah. And it hit me. Things are way better when you walk with God. And even when I go through bad stuff on yeah. my worst day with God, I'm better off than on my best day without God. Because yeah. when I'm going through my worst, God's planning his best. So I might as well walk with him because life is way more epic that way. Yeah, and that's how he's, he's going to prosper us. I don't mean just in the physical, but why wouldn't we want close proximity with him anyway? Exactly. And as you're exactly. walking through that, was there, I guess, you know, a guy called Ron Case that said, what then is the largest obstacle that you personally, and he quotes, you know, by the power of God, have overcome and what was the process? You kind of answered that, but you would say suicide yeah. for those 10 years. And I love yeah. Ron Case. Yeah, I yeah. know who Ron Case is. <laughs> I figured. I okay. just saw him. I love that guy. Yeah. The, <laughs> What's up, Ron? He, he, yeah. he knew me. Yeah. I love you, Ron. He, yeah. he, knew, he knew me when I was uh, very depressed. And, yeah, wow. Um, that was the biggest obstacle, man. I took up a knife wow. one day because I was so tempted to kill myself. Wow. And, God, God brought me out of the out of the miry pit, and and I, I that actually my whole body of work is devoted to wow. showing how that happens, like how you get out of. That's what hope generation is, like how yeah. you get out of. Well, it's an epidemic. I mean, it's everywhere. We just did a show a few weeks ago on both Isaacs, you know, one story podcast, and and on this with my wife. But this generation is just getting hammered with those thoughts. So. Wow. We consume more pills due to anxiety and depression yeah. as Americans than the rest of the earth combined by three times over. Yeah, I mean, they're sitting now normally just eating rice or fruit or strolling in the ocean, and we're busy popping pills and sitting on yeah. couches. And wow. So, so we, need, we need to go from the Mope generation to the Hope generation, and yeah. that's why – that's why my whole yeah. my whole message is devoted to that. So that was the biggest obstacle I overcame for sure. That wow. God's grace overcame in me. Wow, wow. And how much time do you have left? You got a minute or two or what are you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Maria Pauella asked the question, how do you deal with the frustration, and I know you're going to have a great answer for this, of unanswered prayers? What do you do when God doesn't answer your prayer? Whenever a quote, whenever there is an 
exit. It is an entry to somewhere better. Whenever there's a closed door, yeah. there is there is an there's a there's an open door to something greater. But yeah. we spend so long looking at the closed door that we aren't even seeing the mm. open door that God's that God has prepared for us. And ultimately, when your plans don't work out, it's because God has better ones. And if God always met your expectations, how would he be able to exceed them? So yeah. no eye has seen, no ears or no mind has <laughs> conceived, Paul and Isaiah said, what the Lord has in store for those who love him. Amen. So um, really quick, there's this story of a, of a preacher named Vincent. Is who he English? Went, he's actually not English <laughs> okay. for the first time. He's, <laughs> okay. he, he went to a Belgian he is European. That's though, close enough, though. I'm sure there was some That's English people enough. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he went to a Belgian village to uh, to become a, a missionary preacher there. Wow. And the board pulled support from him financially because he was a homeless guy who slept behind the baker's house, and he would show up to preach with hay. He would sleep in hay behind wow. the baker's house with hay on his body smelling like bread. It would just waft off him. Oh, and man. so they pulled support from him and they, they, they wouldn't let him be a preacher anymore. So he took up painting instead. And this guy's uh, known, he's better known as Vincent Van Gogh. Of course, and what he wow. did is he, he painted a starry night from an insane asylum. And you'll notice in his most famous painting, a starry night, which everyone's seen, um, it, the swirling stars and the lights in the village are so beautiful, but the lights of the church are off because mm. the church had closed its door to Vincent. And I like to tell people when even religion has failed you, even religion has mm -hmm. closed the door especially on you. Especially religion, you, sadly. Yeah. Especially religion. You watch what God will do in opening up a door of artistry that yeah. in Vincent's case reached billions. Yeah. So when, when your plans don't work out, it's because God has better ones the the, the mining mm. village church elders may shut you down but you watch how your art will reach wow. the world yeah that's a that's powerful was it who vincent who who wrote the song don <laughs> mcclure wrote vincent starry starry night or something but um i remember don mcclure writes songs i didn't know that no like, no maybe he is he a preacher that's he's a <laughs> don mcclure's a preacher i mean maybe he no, wrote songs. Don, one of the guys starry starry night but <laughs> you know like... <laughs> well i just heard someone recently saying a friend of mine a pastor called chris said you know what's amazing about god is he could have revealed himself any way at all in genesis but the first way he chose to reveal himself was as an artist as a creator and I know a lot of people want to run off with that, and they don't ever really include God with what they're doing. But it is fascinating to see Vincent Van Gogh all these years later. I'm probably going to pull up that shot, maybe even drop it on the screen. But to have the lights off on the church, how sad that they were basically missing Jesus in the hay. You know what I mean? Someone that was yeah, there to shine the light yeah. if the Spirit of God yeah. was truly in that man. So, okay, yeah, let's yep. see. Oh, yeah. It, it, who was it? It was uh, Don McLean. Who did I say it was? Don McClure. Oh, Don McClure. <laughs> Don McClure. Like, I did not picture Don McClure. Well, Don, Mc Don McClure, if you sing songs, I mean, check his album out. Maybe yeah, we'll check see. His, yes, we'll see. We'd love to hear you, Don. <laughs> so I'm guessing you're going to be a guest on this show probably once a week because I feel like we yeah, that'd be this sick. for the rest I of I know, it. dude. Like, I feel like we just scratched the surface. Well, dude, I'm, whatever God wants to do, whatever doors you open, I'm down. I know i got to be respectful of your time. It's 5.55. But, Ben, uh, give us your website site your follow i want anyone that's just getting excited i've been excited by this i know isaac sitting next to me you know giggling away this is awesome being stared up what way can they get a hold of you encounter you or hear more about what god is doing in your life websites and everything 
Yeah, so um, you can go to YouTube, type in Hope Generation. Hope Generation. Or you can uh, watch our Hope Generation show on the Hillsong channel on TV. On It's on uh, 12 networks in 180 countries, so uh, you can watch that on TV. Or you can just go to bencorson.com. Or if Instagram's your thing, you yep. can just go uh, type in Hope Generation. And then also on my website, you can uh, find my new book, Optimismits, if you'd like to order that. So a lot of the stuff we talked about in this podcast, I actually write about in the book. So there's my stuff. And guys, the reason this is important is because, you know, I am on the streets meeting people who are jaded with the church, and there's nothing wrong with the church. She is still beautiful. She's God's bride. We know it's filled with the goat and the sheeps, even the wolves sometimes. But generally, people on the street that might say to me, well, I think this or that about God, if I can link them to something that Ben has said or you have said or whoever has said that gives them a way to hear the text, hear the scripture, I want to redeem all of that. I am an outward processor. Go check out what Ben has. It sounds like God has done mighty things in his life. And look for me and Ben to be doing some skating in the near future. Oh, yeah. And in oh, hours yeah. and hours of whatever. But, man, I'm just excited. We'll get to hang out soon. But uh, would you mind just praying for us for a second as we close? Just for yes, listening, dude. And then we'll close. Thanks, Ben. <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much for Brian and Isaac making this happen. Thank you that you make professional skateboarders epic preachers. You're so good, Lord. And I just thank you that we have been called thank to you. maximum send it to eternity and beyond. We have been called to have a joy that nobody can take from us. So I just pray for those people who are listening who might want that enthusiasm, excitement, that joy, that hope, but it feels like they're too far gone. I just pray that you would show them the more desperate the case, the more space for God's grace. And I pray that you would just show us that, that as the book of Psalms says, happy are those people whose God is the Lord. So everything is going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. And it's okay if we're not okay. It's just not okay if we stay that way. So I pray that you, the God of hope, would cause us to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we have enough dope dealers in the world, Lord. We need some more hope dealers. Help us to be hope dealers in our generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And guys, if you're here and you just listen to Ben and myself, you know, talk about this joy and this hope and God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, what does this mean to you? Well, it's simple. God made man, you and me, woman as well, in his image. And we were made in his image and we were blessed in his image. What happened was in the garden, we fell. God said, don't eat of this tree. And we did. Adam and Eve did, and they died spiritually, and every person ever born since then has been born into sin. And what God did was for thousands of years throughout the Old Testament, he told us of his promises, of his truth, of a coming Messiah, the nation of Israel time and time again were offering sacrifice. There was a tabernacle, a tent of meeting, there was a temple. It was all symbolic of a coming Messiah and Savior who even the Jews today are awaiting. But the difference is, that for you and I, and for many Jews, Jesus came 2,000 years ago as the Lamb of God, as the scapegoat, as the one who was shed his blood on Calvary's cross for you and I and all of our sins. And what that means is man for years has been religious, trying to get to God, trying to find ways to jump through hoops, whether it's karma or ritual or whatever kind of religion. But what God did was he had to send the perfect sacrifice. Only a perfect sacrifice could take away our sin. What can wash away our sin? And we sing that song, nothing but the blood of Jesus. You and I are going to die one day because of our sin. 
If I've lied once, I'm a liar. If I've lusted once, I'm an adulterer. And the Bible teaches that when I die, when my body fails me, no one drops dead of old age. It's because of this curse in this world and our body. We die, we stand before God, and we're guilty. We need forgiveness. The way we're forgiven is because God in his love and his grace and his mercy sent his son Jesus to the cross 2,000 years ago to take all of our sin upon himself. The Bible says in the Old Testament, cursed is the man that hangs upon a cross and Jesus was cursed for you and me. The only one who was never meant to go to the cross, Jesus took it all, all my sin, every person's sin hearing this, it all is applied to him and he died for us and he went down into the grave He was dead. His body failed. And what did he do? He resurrected and he rose again, proving there is life eternal, proving redemption, proving that when you and I believe and have faith and trust in him, as we hear God's voice, we repent, turn, cry out to God. He is doing a work in us, the Holy Spirit. We become saved. We come to faith. He makes us what's called born again in John 3. We are born into his kingdom. We now have the Holy Spirit. We're forgiven. We have right standing with God, and we continue living our life now, lifting him up, proclaiming his truth, and living as the salt and light of this world. And you, right where you are, just like Ben talked about, just like I talk about, you in hope can put your faith and hope in Jesus. It's all free. It's all a gift from him. And it begins his hand at work in your heart by crying out and saying, Lord, I see my sin. I see this world. I need forgiveness. I need to be washed in your blood because the Bible says that the blood of Jesus speaks on our behalf. In the Old Testament, when Cain killed Abel, the blood cried out, murderer. But for you and I today, when the blood of Jesus has been applied to us and Satan accuses us, the blood of Jesus cries out, forgiven. We are forgiven for his work. Here is Ben with hope in love with Jesus. Here is Brian came to faith at 24, restored my marriage by the power of God, telling you, cry out to the Lord, put your faith in him, get into his word and trust. God bless you guys. If you need to hear more from us, briansumner.net, catch up with Ben online. We love you guys. God bless. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. This has been brought to you by the One Story Podcast.